We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. Welcome to the Healing Herb Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. I am sitting in LA right now with someone who I seriously love more than anything. In fact, she is the one to thank for this podcast even happening in the first place, which we'll probably talk about during our time together. We but can talk about it. <laughs> I wanted to have a conversation today about what happens when you feel like you just need a fresh start in life. Because if anyone knows this feeling and if anyone has spent the past few years rebuilding something during the midst of really hard things that also feels good mm -hmm. it's her so let me introduce to you if you do not know her yet and you are hearing her for the first time my friend author <laughs> writer speaker mom of three girls we have nicole walters herself oh. with us today Thank you so much for having me and that lovely introduction. And I got to tell you, this is my very first pod I've ever done in a car. I'm like, <laughs> I, it's so funny because I remember, and like you said, we talked about it. I remember when we were talking about you starting a podcast and like, what would the concept be and all that? And, you know, we're shooting this car thing around, you know, and just like you, you're such a doer. You're like, so Nicole, I have three episodes and we did them in the car. <laughs> Never in a million years would I think I'd be here. But I, but I have to say, Nicole has also been like, I love that idea. And also and a controlled also. environment in a studio would be nice. And I'm actually sweating right now for real because I was like, no, I got it. I got it figured down. We've had no issues right. until today of when course. I'm sitting in Nicole's car and it just <laughs> took me 30 minutes because the tech wasn't working. And I'm like... Of course, this is happening of right course. now when I'm trying to prove to her that, that the car works. concept works. Oh, well, that's, you know, me and my business brain. It's funny because my kids always talk and Alex, my guy, always talking about how unfun I am because <laughs> they'll tell me something like, oh, yeah, mom, well, this thing happened. And I'm like, well, how is that fiscally possible? I mean, I feel like. The, I feel like the, the financial part of that doesn't align. And they're just like, mom, mom, it's just like a store. You know, like I'm so unfair. So here you are with this incredible podcast. Story, and I'm like, well, for sustainability purposes, maybe we shift our equipment. You're like, no, it works. <laughs> and it does because we're here. We're here. It does work. We're a little scrappy. And it's fun. It is. Fun. I have to tell you, this is actually really cool. Like okay, being in a car, right? it's cool. Doesn't it's it a, just feel a little bit different? Well, like it's we're what hanging the kids out? say. It's a vibe. It is a vibe. It's a vibe. We're and vibing. it's your car, so it I is. just hope you feel comfortable I talking do. about the things we're going to talk about. Today. Yes, I mean, I, it doesn't get any realer than this. It, I'm, I'm always talking about them in traffic to this steering wheel, so <laughs> might as well put a mic in front of it, right? <laughs> I'm so excited, selfishly for me, to be able to have this conversation today, but also for the thousands of women who are going to be listening in, and for the thousands of women who are about to get your new debut book in their hand. 
Oh my god! I, it's so funny because I'm not kidding. You've written tons of books. No, and you're just a very good. Like writer. two and a half. Yeah, I mean that is like one and a half more than I have or probably will write, and uh, and it's so crazy because you are I mean you're a writer that's like literally like what you were born to do on this planet like of the many things but that's like a big one and it's crazy to me because I think about you being a writer and you saying to me book and it feels realer because you're like a pro so oh. thank you for like calling me an author well that's an honor for you to yeah, call me a pro it is so you are I'm just gonna receive that All and right. I'm gonna give it back I like to you. it's such a big deal I'm like not no. like I have a book I'm an author like it's Nicole Walters you're an author you are an author. Don't make me cry. Your book is coming out um, October 10th. 10th. Mm-hmm. Nothing is missing. And oh. there's a lot that has gotten you to this point. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just want to start with why are you emotional talking Even about hearing it right that, now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because and anyone who's ever written a book or had a story to tell and, you know, has been blessed to have a platform to share it or, you know, even journaled, there's something to be said for the, I don't even want to call it closure, right? Because, you know, the things that happen to us or, you know, around us kind of stay with us in so many ways. But there's something, a culmination, if you will. It's kind of like graduation, right? Like you have graduation in fifth grade and you still got a ton of school ahead of you, but you still get kind of teary at the ch- this chapter being done. And writing this book and getting to this point was so hard fought that, I mean, you saw the other day, the minute that I got the hard copy of Nothing Is Missing, I burst into tears mm-hmm. because it was just this real, I don't, a single other person hasn't read it yet. A single copy hasn't hit a shelf. And yet holding it, was just such a realness of what I've survived and including the process of writing a book that'll kill you (laughs) you know like and it was just so proud well I feel like too. tell me if I'm wrong but I felt like this that when you're in the middle of the hard thing you feel like it's never going to end oh I mean it's wild and I don't know if maybe because I've gotten older and this is probably a good thing maybe a good therapy thing but realistically when you're older those days aren't constant You know how when you're younger, it feels like weeks upon weeks of when is this thing going to break, you know? And But when you get older, you'll have like one day where you're like, I'm on top of the world. Ain't nothing going to get to me. I got this. Maybe you were drinking your water and listening to your gospel, whatever it was, you know, that got you fired up. But then the next day you're like, can I get, can I just get a break, you know? And so, yeah, I think that for a long time, I mean, being completely transparent, I'm still in the thick of it. You know, I'm still in the thick of the hard. Um, And I think when you're a mom, no matter what, there's always a version of the hard you're going to be in the thick of. But yeah, certain chapters have closed, even if they haven't closed in an earthly way. They've closed in a spiritual way. They've closed in an emotional way. I'm not giving space to them. And that is worth celebrating. It is so worth celebrating. Mm -hmm. And I hope you feel so supported and celebrated when this book comes out because I know just from knowing you part of what it took Mm -hmm. to get here. But something that I heard you say just yesterday was that this book is really about how hard it can be, but also how it can still work. Oh, yes. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, you're a testament to this, right? There was a caption that I did on a post recently where I posted that I was getting engaged, you know, which after divorce, after, you know, just living a whole other life and being in California is just hard for me to even wrap my head around on top of being an author. But the caption I wrote was, it's important to remember that sometimes it does work out. Mm. And that is a 
theme in this book over and over and over again because we often, especially in the thick of it, think, how is it going to work out? And we can't see the end. Or we think, how is this going to get better? Because we don't have the resources, the tools or the money or the support. But the truth is, even without any of that, sometimes it does still work out. And that is enough to keep going. I think to understand the gravity of what you just said, I would love people to be able to understand Mm. a time where you thought to yourself, this isn't going to work out. Oh my goodness. Well, I will tell you about a time where I, it shouldn't have worked out Mm. and it did. So I adopted my three girls and we've, I've, I've chatted with you before about it, you know, but, um, you know, I adopted my three girls almost 10 years ago now, uh, when they were ages three, 11 and 14. And I met their mother on the side of the road and, um, she was begging, she was panhandling. And then 30 days later she went to jail for substance abuse. So I ended up taking these girls in. Um, and obviously this is the much abridged version, grab the book, you know, but I ended up taking these girls in and raising them. And so over the course of years, we had all the normal kids stuff. You've got kindergarten and you've got, you know, prom and all these joyful moments, plus hard things as a parent, you know, rules and discipline and teaching them how to read and all those things. But bigger hard things came. And my middle one at age 16 was diagnosed with stage four cancer. She had about six months to live. And um, those are the moments where it doesn't make sense. And it's not even a question of Oh, wait, let me say for all the moms, just so you guys hear it, she's fine. Because <laughs> I realize, I also know all the mamas listening are like, oh, you know, she's fine. She's well. She survived. But the point being that she shouldn't have. And it was one of those moments where I absolutely, it should not have worked out. The child across the hall, his name was Chase. He didn't make it. And, um, you know, and I've reached out to their mother and I, we've spoken and their family pastors you know chase was active in his church he was a great football player he was kind he was popular he was well known and he fought cancer just as hard as my baby girl and it just didn't play out the way that it absolutely should have been like he absolutely deserved and his life is still worthy and meaningful and we're grateful for it for the time that we had him but that's what i mean when i say it's so arbitrary sometimes But it still can work out, even when you aren't in control. I mean, we're never in control, right? But even when you you feel less in control. And so when you start learning that one, that's the worst thing I've ever been through in my life. And I talk about this in the book in detail, some of the moments, what it's like being by your bedside, et cetera, et cetera. One of the worst things I've ever been through in my life. Everything else kind of pales in comparison. So as hard as it is, if that can work out, anything just short of that could possibly work out too. And I will take my 1% chance of that because God granted me the 1% win on that one. Thanks for sharing part of that story with Mm -hmm. us. I think I remember you hearing you started writing this book during the middle of that Of a divorce. Yeah. um, I actually, uh, Chrissy made it through, but then we went right into the pandemic. So let's just talk about the grace of that, you know, not having to battle cancer during the Mm -hmm. pandemic as well. But And then went to the pandemic and it was difficult, you know, just I feel like the pandemic was such a reckoning for a lot of us. You know, do you like your home? Do you like your family? Do you have enough square footage? You know, like there's so many things we all had to ask about ourselves. Do you like your job? You know, and I think when I came out of the pandemic and I realized, one, what it looked like to stand still for a while and 
how I felt like that was helping my energy. And then realizing I, I didn't want to go back to whatever I was doing before. And then really looking at the numbers of my body, my blood pressure, my cholesterol, my, my general health, and recognizing that my body was actually breaking down from overworking. I realized that the thing I'd been called to do at the time by my team, which was write a business book. Nicole, you built a multi-million dollar business in a matter of years. Write this business book and tell everyone how it'll go gangbusters. Well, I was like, how could I write a book telling people what to do when what I did did not work for mm. me? Like I, the thing, it worked to get, get the goal. I can absolutely make people money. That is what I do. I'm a consultant. I do that well. But at what expense? And it was that reckoning that led me to say, I need to change everything so I can write the truth. And that's what I've done. I want to say something about everything you just said, because there are so many aspects. You're helping your daughter through cancer. Mm -hmm. You are in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. You are now entering into a season of going through a divorce. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things happening. And on top of that, your physical health, I know that you've talked yeah. about this publicly, mm -hmm. was starting to suffer. And you suffered Facial half paralysis. of your face paralysis. Mm -hmm. A couple years ago, I learned this and it blew my mind. Mm -hmm. But there has been research over and over again that has shown when you go through a traumatic event, mm -hmm. the likelihood of you going through a serious physical ailment or illness within two years of that event happening is very high. In fact, wow. we can almost expect it to happen because the stress, it suppresses our immune system. Oh, yes. Our resources are going to like just survival. So we're putting off our other needs. Mm -hmm. And then finally, when we're taking a second to take a breath, everything just hits you like a train. And so when I hear that you've gone through facial paralysis, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, that makes so much sense to me. The amount of stress that you are under and sustaining for so long mm -hmm. is like your body it's like I'm freaking tired yeah, right throwing now. in the flag and you know what's so interesting about that first of all thank you for that and I hope anyone you know who heard our chat is understanding that there's something really powerful about working with professionals to even label what you're going yeah. through and I think that a lot of times we lose sight of that because we think, one, we're the only ones going through it, you know, which is what's so great about our little chats here because you're letting us know that this is common everywhere. But in working with professionals like you around mental health and grief and loss and wellness, you know, you also are getting a label put on the fact that it is not fundamentally you, you know, yes. that I'm not actually broken, that it is the circumstances, it's the environment, it's actually things that can be modified and that nothing's wrong with me. And that is really powerful to hear because what's nuts is it's not even that I knew the solution or the answer automatically because surely I just stepped out of what I was doing and just stopped doing. You know, I just basically laid, you know what I mean, for m months. You know, I just didn't do anything um, until I started feeling somewhat better. And then I started caring for myself, eating better, seeing doctors, getting answers. But I didn't have answers and I definitely didn't have a definition. And that fact just affirms that everything I was going through was valid and that I'm right in sharing that that may not be the path you want to take, even if it'll get you where you need to go. Because sometimes the health occurrence is death. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us lose sight of that 
we think, oh yeah, I, you know, I might get burnout, you know, I may need a couple of days off or a really good vacation. No, burnout is a precursor to your body breaking down and it can only do that so many times before it can't bounce back. And that was also part of why I was like, I need permanent change. So what did you do to create mm-hmm. that change? Because I've also heard you say that I got a chance to start over. I did. And mm-hmm. I love your perspective of what a fresh start is and means. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I would love to hear from you. You're getting teary right I now am. talking about oh it. So gosh. I'm going to stop talking yes. so you can yes, say yes. Your, your stuff. So just being transparent when you're going through tough stuff, I feel like that's like an, at least for me, an echoing thought. I want a fresh start. I want to start over. Can I go back to the beginning? Can we act like this never happened? Can we just move on? You know, there's this strong desire to be freed from wherever you are and also remove any memory or recollection of the pain. And I learned that that is just not how it works. That, and if anything, you know, in writing a book, you're doing nothing but recounting the pain and describing the pain and it's a reminder that you know the memories and the trauma and all these things are still with you but they don't have to affect or impact how you decide your future and that was where I shifted my goal in the past I used to really say to myself how can I fix the thing I was like a serial fixer I have a whole chapter in my book about being a fixer I would set myself on fire to keep others warm I could Mm. fix anything and it took a while but I realized that this wasn't something that could just be fixed, that it was actually a full-on rebuilding. And that meant I had to recalibrate what starting over meant to me. And I needed to make sure that I realized starting over wasn't a bad thing. It was something I had to get very good at doing and that I was excited to have a chance to do. And if I started over, that meant I could take what I knew served me from before, keep that, and then I could add to it what was necessary to sustain me. In my life, I've also had to go through seasons of rebuilding. And it honestly feels like someone has taken the rug of your whole life, everything, and ripped it out from Mm -hmm. under you. And along with rebuilding my life, I also had to rebuild some of my belief systems Mm -hmm. and how I viewed the world Mm -hmm. and different relationships, how I interact with other people. So when we're talking about rebuilding, there are a lot of things that you have to choose. What am I going to take with me? Mm -hmm. And what am I going to leave behind? And my therapist at the time, that was the question she kept asking me as my first step to figuring out, well, how am I going to rebuild? What does this tangibly look like? Mm -hmm. Was asking myself and finding answers to the questions of what do I take with me? And what do I leave behind? Mm -hmm. But answering that wasn't super simple because it, it meant uh, some heartache in the heartache, middle of it. Heartache, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, one of the things that I had to, that rug example is so real because it feels sudden and unexpected. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that goes along with it was it also felt like someone dumped out like a basket of stuff in front of you and was like, sort this out. So it's a combination of the two. I always, you know, say it's bad enough that you have to go through a divorce, you know, which is just breaking up with your best friend, you know, and partner of however long is so difficult. But that on top of having to eat, take care of kids, like life is hard by itself. Throw in some hard stuff of emotional. It's just like, I should only ever have to do one of those things at a time, you know? And I can say that for me, figuring out that first step really boiled down to saying it was a shift in mindset. I think so much of my life had been around future goals, really saying, well, I want to do this thing so I can get here. And it's important for me to build this so I can get here. And I just always was looking to 
the next thing and sprinting towards it. And what happened was I, I really started getting small, like smaller in my thinking. What can I do to get through today? Mm. Nicole, what do you need to do to eat? Nicole, what do you need to do to get up and shower? And if you can do that, that's okay. Small, smallerizing, if you will, also extended to what I was patting myself on the back for. You know, so instead of saying, wow, you hit that million dollar launch, I was now saying, all right, you got out of the house, you went for a walk, good, good on you. Th- that was a super successful day. And you did a great job, Nicole, and no one else has to tell you that. And if you do it again tomorrow, great. If not, you did it today, you know. And once I started recalibrating, finding validation within my own self and my self-worth not being dictated by how I performed, it really started helping me understand, well, if, if I know that I'm already enough here and today and that I wake up worthy, then what do I want to do to leave a legacy and show up in this world? Because I've already done enough. And that changed everything. I appreciate that also because a lot of things that we hear, especially on social media and in the self-help world, is you have to run yourself ragged. Or if Mm -hmm. you really want something, then you're going to push yourself. You're going to wake up early. You're going to grind. grind. You're going to hustle. You're going to. And there's a season for that, especially if you're building a business or whatever that thing is. But that is the opposite of Mm -hmm. what we need for healing for rebuilding, for for starting over. And I just want to validate and honor what you said because it is so true and so many women need to be given the permission to do that so that they can give the permission to themselves of if today all I can do is get out of bed mm-hmm. and shower mm-hmm. and take care of my kids, that was a very successful day. That's right. I have also learned that 100% on a good day is not going to be the same as your 100% when you're in the middle of grief and life transitions That's and right. trauma. It's different. And and so that means we have to show up differently for ourselves. But when we are told either that that's not doing enough mm-hmm. or whether that comes from the outside or just us telling either ourselves mm-hmm. that. Well, it still came from the outside, right? Because there are no organic thoughts. Everything was put there. Yeah, that's true. So it's still an outside thought that's worth examining. You don't have to keep it, mm-hmm. you know? And it's something that for me, that thought was one of those things that I needed to leave mm-hmm. behind. Mm-hmm. I know that the divorce was a really hard transition also, obviously. Mm-hmm. And I know that there are a lot of women who are listening to this who have gone through a divorce or are in a rocky relationship right now. Is there something that you have learned now from that time that you would go back and tell yourself as you were in the beginning of this really, really difficult process? Mm. Uh, That's really good. I think that if there was anything I wish I knew at the beginning of the process, it would be that everything will happen when you're ready. Mm. And ready is not a fixed time, uh, but you will know. And also the only way through it is through it. And that's something that my therapist told me. Um, One of the things that happens with divorce is that you will try to negotiate everything. You know, uh, maybe there's a way we can stay together. Maybe there's a way I could stay in my old life. Maybe there's a way I could still get this. Maybe I could, you know, there are just so many ways that you try to lose a little less. And realistically, it is an upturning of your life, you know. And, um, you know, in my situation, I got three suitcases and a spatula. You know, like that's kind of what I walked away with, but oh gosh, it's still so much. 
you know, and um, I came into my marriage with less, you know. So I think that if anyone's at the beginning of that journey, uh, I would be completely lying if I said that it would be easy or that it would be um, something that won't be one of the most difficult things I'll ever go through. But this is also a message I received during, you know, the cancer journeys. Some days will look like the worst day of your life. Mm. And that is actually just how it is. That is doing cancer. It does not mean it's actually the worst day of your life. And when I tell you how often that came up during the cancer journey, and I was so grateful to know that because I'd be in moments where I'm in the ICU, you know, and we've got, you know, doctors bringing blood and all these wires and tubes. And I'm like, she's not going to make it. This is the worst day ever. You know, like what is happening right now? And the truth was, it just looked like it because she did make it mm-hmm. and she is okay. And the same thing with divorce. There'll be days where you're just kind of like, why does he hate me so much? You know, or how could he think I would do something like that? Or this is just categorically not true. Or will I ever have this lifestyle again or this relationship again or, you know, these experiences again? And the truth is, you know, now that I'm years on the other side, yes, you will. And they will look, feel, taste and be better uh, because they're going to be truer to who you are. And it'll still hurt in those moments, but you will survive them. I know, at least from my personal experience, when I'm making a really hard decision that is going to uproot life as I know it, and then I also hear other people's opinions on it, Mm -hmm. or if other people in the situation are mad about it, sometimes I would start second-guessing myself, Mm -hmm. my decisions. I would think, am I really this bad of a person? Mm -hmm. Am what I am doing wrong? Should I make a different choice? Mm -hmm. Did you have any of those feelings of self-doubt during that? Or how did you find your own internal confidence to make this hard decision, even though it meant that everything in your life was about to be different? I still have those moments of Mm self-doubt. There's no way that you can spend over a decade with someone with the intent to spend forever and not still wake up some days in California looking around, you know, and saying, how did I get here? And did this make sense? You know, because crazily enough, and I'm sure there's, you probably have a term for this, you know, as the expert, but the further away you get from the trauma, the more the good memories linger, kind of, you know, like those are the things that stick out more. So like, I don't really remember all the bad stuff super severely. Like once in a while, something will come to you and you're like, that was trash. I can't believe that happened, you know, but For the most part, I don't really feel very strongly towards my ex in any way. You know what I mean? It's not like good or bad. I'm just kind of like, wow, that happened. You know, but I've really I have a whole new life now, you know, so it's just sort of and I'm still young. And you know what I mean? It was just kind of like the way that we don't think about our ex-boyfriend from high school anymore. You know, it's just kind of far off. But in the moment, it was everything, you know. And so when it comes to having that confidence and trusting myself, I'm going to be honest, I don't every day. And I think too many people try to make it seem like it's this, you know, 100%. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. The worst part is confusion, you know, when you feel like you're right and you're questioning yourself. But what I've learned is that whether or not I'm right about the path that I'm going, it's free to try and I can recover from trying, even if it goes wrong. And that has been really transformative. And I mean, I even will say to my team and, you know, to my guy, Alex, I'll say, well, this is the plan. And even if the plan doesn't work at all, here's where we'll end up. And it's not worse than where we are. 
so let's just try you know and and if it is worse than where we are well we can handle that too you know and that just helps me kind of move forward you know so and I don't know if I've ever said this before but you know people look at divorce and they say who was at fault you know and they look at divorce and they say how could this have ever happened and what's the real story you know there's always kind of like a we thought a marriage looked this way and then there must be something you know and sometimes that's the case you know what I mean like sometimes that's very much the case where there was something going on and we just had no idea and it was like really crazy but most of the time it's just that it didn't work out and things changed which is something all of us can relate to it's why you leave a job it's why you why you date a new partner it's why you move apartments you know it's not that the thing wasn't serving the purpose for which it was designed it was that it just didn't fit where you are anymore and then the other side of that is you would never leave something if you did not have some degree of faith that there was better on the other side and so it's not really a matter of a confidence play because I wasn't sure you know but I knew that where I was was so not the right fit that where I was going I had a pretty good shot and I just needed to try I wish that we could just have this record and you like have you in our ear repeating this record Mm -hmm. of it's okay if it doesn't work out it on is. your next step. It like is. you're going to figure it out because I feel like so many of us get stuck, even if it's a painful, hard, mm-hmm. terrible situation that we don't want to be in anymore. We feel more comfortable there because our it's brain familiar. is like, well, at least we know. Oh, it's at least we know how bad it is. Mm-hmm. But then when you are trying to step out to have this fresh start to start over and it's unknown. That is terrifying. I mean, that is, but that's all that it is, is unknown, you know? And I think that one of the things I've started doing when I have to impact something new is remind myself, oh, the reason I'm fearful is this is just new. Not that I'm fearful because it's bad. It's not that I'm fearful because I'm ill-prepared. Sometimes it is, but if, if I come to that one, I'm like, oh, well, why am I ill-prepared? Let me get those things. Or I'm fearful because someone there is going to harm me or I'm fearful. It's not that. It's just, this is just different and new and divorce was different and new and I was fearful because I'd moved to a new city and I knew that I would need to set my kids up and be okay and I just knew it would be different but there are answers to all of that whether and I know that I could ask people to get them or google or listen to experts or you know I can get those answers so I don't need to be fearful of that if it's just new that's not something to be scared of because trying is something that's safe to do oh that's so good (laughs) this is why you are who you are oh my gosh listen I'm still also a hot mess you know I'm also still crying I'm also still I I literally like just being so transparent I have surrounded myself with people and this is a huge part of healing that I don't know if people realize enough I literally in the very beginning was better off healing alone than having Mm -hmm. people around me speaking a personification externally of the thoughts I had internally. So that's like, I mean, and I, I don't know if people realize how important that is. When you're breaking up with your ex, you can't talk to your ex every day. You cannot go to the source of your pain for your healing. And when I say source of your pain, it doesn't mean that that person's doing something to you or bad. I don't want that perception at all. It's more of a, if that is where the conflict resides. So if you're going to work every day and you have a boss that is just not working, Part of you getting better is getting out of there. Mm. It's it just the two things cannot reside there. And so the order of events for me first was let me get to a place where I'm at least quiet with my thoughts because I know that I can figure out how to be kind to myself, you know, so let me just do that. Then I was like, okay, I need to get people around me who are going to echo the best of me and also check me. You know, I don't need yes people around me. I need people to help me back because I didn't trust my own thoughts. 
you know, after the relationships that I'd been in in the past, I had a really hard time trusting who I was because I'd been in partnerships where that was regularly challenged or I was told, who, you know, based on their state or the state of events or whatever. So, you know, I surrounded myself with people who I could trust to say, look, no, Nicole, this is the right line of thinking. No, Nicole, you're thinking crazy again. And that can sometimes be a therapist, you know, professionally, but also listening to people like you who affirm like, no, that is just grief. It's not that you are messed up. That is just the state of divorce. It's not that you are terrible with money. That is just, you know, the economy. It's not that your business is trash, you know, like just people who can kind of level set because it is possible that your brain is going to lie to you you know in those seasons so that was like a second phase of it and then after that it was making sure that I'd filter and that also oh let me just say also with that it's getting rid of the people who don't do that mm. and that is something that I think so many of us forget how are you going to heal from your divorce if you are still talking every day to a mom sister brother who's telling you you should have stayed with that person and you know the pain and they don't and it's hard to be like, I don't want to cut off my mom or I don't want to not talk. But for a season, you're allowed to not talk to them while you heal because a stronger you can actually withstand some of those things if you desire a relationship with them. But at your weakest point, you shouldn't have to fight a battle of that type of messaging also. So that was a huge part of it was building really a fortress around my mind while my mind could heal. And then once my, my brain was stronger, I then started feeding it good stuff in terms of great people around me that have positive messaging. And you know, I was telling you about some of the stuff I've gone through this week, both in business and personally in life. And plus, you know, I've got this book that I want the world to read. And it's been a heck of a week. I mean, I have I've had a week I've had a, the past three days would put some other other people under the ground. You know what I mean? Like and you're one of the few people because of what you've been through that I think can look at me and be like, but we're still going. You know what I mean? Because we understand. But the way I'm going is because me, just like you, Mike, is incredible. You know, like we're surrounded by people who are like, this is crazy you're yeah. not crazy it is hard you can't run away from it but you can handle it where you need help I'm here and we can get what we need to keep going you know like and that is all the messaging I needed to keep going I want to make sure I just mm -hmm. want to validate everything you just said and really lean into the fact that when you go through something hard and start over it can be very easy to fall into this pattern of okay I went through the hard thing and now I'm listening, I'm trusting, I'm having the faith. Mm -hmm. So now it's going to be easier. Oh, no, and then no, no. the next hard thing happens and you're like, what did I do wrong? This is just me. This is my fault. And I'm I have spiral. a bad picker. I date all the wrong people. I had picked the wrong friends. And it's like, did you take time between your healing, which first of all, were you healed well? Not completely, because you, you don't just have to wait for joy until after you're healed completely. You yes, can have joy, joy while healing. They can coexist. But after you learn that, did you take time to educate yourself on what you do need? For you going forward and when I tell you after my divorce I spent a solid I mean it was probably like well over a year doing nothing but educating myself on what the right partner looks like for me I mean I had to do whole exercises on writing down like so who used to display what attribute that you find to be important and why is this attribute like I was like educating myself on how to have a relationship because I was like my picker must be broken you know, like there, this doesn't make sense to me. And once I did that, I was able to date differently and I found my fiance and he matches the list and then some. But I before I could do that, I had to heal myself. And while doing that healing work, I also had to educate myself. And then I was able to go out there and change my outcome. And 
that the patience with that process is why you need the friends and the family, the people to support you because there's frustrations there. Um, in my book, I have a sentence uh, that I write where I talk about how everyone always tells me they're chasing clarity. That mm. I just want to be clear. I just want to know what to do. I just want to know where to go. I just want clarity. And um, and I say that, listen, in the book, I say, listen, you know, clarity does not mean that it's going to be easy. Clarity does not mean it's going to be fast. And clarity does mean that you are always going to operate consistently without confusion. Clarity just means that you have an idea of where you're supposed to go and where you're not supposed to be. An idea. But an idea is not a definite destination. And so I think that adjustment to expectations serves everyone well. I want to just bottle you and take you back to Phoenix with me, which I guess I can because you can. I get to have your, I get to have your book. Yes, well, you'll have my book, but you also have my phone number. I'm also I'm obsessed be texting with you. So, well, yes, let's you can't be honest, get rid of me. You're obsessed with my baby. The I am. Most, so. Let's be honest. It's about the baby. That's why but we're you can't get rid of right me. Now. That is literally it. Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that mm. you found the courage in yourself and the bravery in yourself to get still with yourself. Thank you. To find the courage that it would take for this rebuilding. Because I Thank know you. that where you are right now is so different than you ever thought you were going to be. I could have, I couldn't have, I could not have designed this. I wasn't equipped. And yet. And yet. Nothing is missing. Nothing is missing. <laughs> that's the book title. And that's, <laughs> and that's what you're yes. teaching us. And so to have someone like yourself who mm -hmm. has stood up over and over again and kept going and kept rebuilding and has built this beautiful life now that is still hard. Yes, yeah, so You're still hard. in the middle mm -hmm. of it, but mm -hmm. you have it, but not only for you, but for your three girls yes. and now your fiance who's yes. joining. And to be able to give this tangibly to so many people around the world who are needing this message right now, it's a gift. It's Thank you. It's I see someone who has leaned so far into their purpose and has walked through fire to do so. Mm -hmm. And I know you joke and say, never thought I would do this. I'm not a writer. I I'm know. Not I say it all the time. Yeah. But you are. Mm, thank you. And the words that you have written are going to help so many people. Thank you. Find healing. And I'm just so proud of you i'm so oh, honored no. to you are know not gonna you. make me cry you're not gonna make I, me cry. you no. know you could you can do whatever you need for tears well. but i just i mean every word of it and before we end this episode today i know that there's someone who is listening right now who is sitting on their floor and is like i literally do not know how to get up and do this again today what do you want to say to her oh Sweet, sweet friend, grant yourself some grace. Grant yourself some grace. You do not need to get up. You set a goal for yourself that you don't even have to do. You're allowed to be on the floor. Be easy on yourself. Grant yourself some grace. Thank you. Everyone, you can go pick up Nicole Walter's new debut book. Nothing is missing everywhere books are sold. We will link it also below in the show notes so that you can just go click and get it easily. Um, we'll also link her podcast, the Nicole Walters podcast below because it is full. I mean, if you thought this conversation was good today, just imagine this every single week in your ear. And then we'll also link her Instagram account where she shares even more of just this beautiful life that she's been building through the hard stuff. She is, she's our people. <laughs> so 
Thank you so much for being here. Are you kidding? I'm, thank you for having me. It was a blessing. I'm honored. Thank <laughs> you. And thank you guys so much for joining us on another episode of the Healing Her podcast. Make sure if you haven't done so yet that you click the follow button so that you don't miss any of these episodes that release every Tuesday. And, and until I see you next week, take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination, it's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold, or in the link in the show notes below. Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week.